Welcome to Forward Talks by Gumbuk, a podcast about moving towards sustainability in the region and beyond. I'm Tatiana Antonelli. Our guest today is Sunil Lalvani, founder of Project Magi, which seeks to bring sustainable access to safe water across rural sub-Saharan Africa with solar-powered water kiosks. They already operate 60 such kiosks and want to provide safe water to 1 million people by 2025. We compared notes on what it is like starting and operating a social enterprise in the region, as well as the overall impact Project Magi is hoping to have on the youth and their quality of life by improving their access to water in their local villages. Sunil's journey started during a visit to Ghana as part of his family's electronics business that operates in Africa, which triggered his journey into starting a social enterprise. So I actually saw a, a, a TED talk by a gentleman called Dan Palotta. Um, and he talked about the new way we should look at charity. Uh, and charities, uh, or not-for-profit organizations, whatever you want to call them, uh, should be entities that essentially run themselves as businesses, um, but just don't look to take the profit out. They should certainly be looking to be financially sustainable. They should be looking to make cash surpluses if possible, so they have money for a rainy day. The only difference being that they don't want to take a dividend out and paired off to shareholders. So I really took 25 years of business experience um, and applied it to, well, let's call it the charitable world, the NGO world, and, and that's where I actually, for the first time, learned about this uh, phrase, social enterprise. And was it easy to to start a social enterprise here? What was the the process? I mean, we as Gumbuk are a social enterprise, and, and I know how difficult it is, and um, we found our ways, but I would love to know from a businessman, from someone who's really um, had a, a specific way to work and, and look at profit on how you were able to start a social enterprise. What did you look for and, and what helped you? Uh, again, a very good question. And, and, and what helped us really, if I, if I speak very bluntly, was actually the fact that uh, I, had, I had my family business Uh, which gave us a lot of back office support uh, in the early days, not only sort of company registration and physical office, but a lot of admin support. You know, we, we, the, the Project Magi team really focused on the, the hardcore technical aspects of it, was, was developing the, the kiosk, deploying the kiosk, working with the village communities. But we didn't have to worry about all the admin, the logistics, the HR, because the family business took care of that uh, in the very early days. And I do have to say that, that um, I'm, I'm going to say until now, actually, um, but, but Dubai has been an expensive place uh, for companies to set up, for, for startups to set up, to, to, be, to be very clear, because one of the, one of the beauties about working here is of, course, is, of course, the no tax environment. But of course, the government needs revenue and the government takes its revenue from startup fees Um, uh, visa fees and, 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 and things like this. Now, that's very good as you grow because you pay that one-time fee and you're done for the year. Whatever your profit is, it's, it's tax-free. But it does become a hindrance to any startup because it's quite a big chunk of cash uh, for, for a startup to, 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 to pay up front. Um, so we actually worked under the umbrella of our family business in Dubai because actually most of our on-the-ground operations are, are on the African continent. But it's a very interesting question because now with the whole COVID uh, issue, uh, and I know Dubai is being very agile, as Dubai is famous for, in terms of trying to welcome and, and, and help people out of trouble. 
Um, there are some really good, interesting opportunities in some of the free zones uh, with some new, very affordable options uh, for startups to go. So we are, in fact, for the first time now looking to register uh, officially in Dubai as a standalone entity to take advantage of some of these really good offers available now. I hope uh, people now will take notes and, and hopefully go <laughs> and, and check with the DED on, uh, on these opportunities. I know also that uh, for the first time this year, Uh, the Dubai Economic Deva uh, Authority is um, offering the possibility to register as CSR uh, entities. But now let's go back to the amazing project Magi. So what uh, what the project does is is helping uh, communities and and children to somehow get water, clean water into their homes and, and not having to commute for for hours to find sometimes just a puddle of water. How did this whole thing start? So, so as I said, my, my, my family business is an electronics business and it predominantly operates across, across sub-Saharan Africa. It was actually a, a, a day in Ghana in 2014 uh, when I was driving from town to town along, along a bush road uh, where in the middle of nowhere, my driver just stopped. Um, and uh, I, well, I asked him, I said, well, what, what, what are we stopping for here? And he said, well, there's a puddle of water in the road, so uh, uh, I, I can't carry on. But we were in a Jeep, and so I said, well, you know, what's the problem? We've been through many puddles of water before. Why don't you just drive, drive through it? Uh, and he very nonchalantly said, uh, well, I can't because there are some kids uh, in, in the water. And I want, wanted to understand more. So I got down from the car and, and, in fact, talked to these kids and found they were playing in this water. They were very happy. They were collecting it in buckets, and they were, in fact, even drinking from this water which I found really quite uh, uh, horrific. And in fact, I found out that they were on their way for their normal one or two hour walk to collect uh, their daily needs for water. But they had said to me that luckily it had rained the night before uh, and this puddle of water was there and it was just a hundred meters from their village. So they saved this uh, uh, hour walk, uh, which meant they could have time to play in the puddle. Uh, and sure enough, they were going to go back with this bucket of water to their village. So I, in fact, decided to go back with them. I wanted to learn more about this. I walked up to the village with them um, and spoke, spoke to some of the elders and the chief in the village and sure enough found that, yes, this is their daily routine. If I look, I speak very honestly, it, it, you read about so many issues in the world and, and, and you see documentaries, you see news clippings, but the reality is for so many of these cases, once you turn the channel, once you turn the page, once you walk out of the room, that case is gone. Um, but this, this hit me very, very hard, and it was direct. And in fact, I found not only was this uh, the kind of walk that they have to do every day, but they did in fact have a hand pump installed in that village a few years earlier by, by an NGO. But that hand pump after being installed broke down about a year or two years later. Um, and the people who installed it never went back to check on it. Um, the people in the village really didn't have the know-how or the funds to fix it. So, And, and, and that's why it was it was something that really touched my heartstrings so much. And I thought, this is a community I really want to help. Um, and when I saw that the hand pump also was the kind of solution that people were using, this antiquated 100-year-old uh, solution, I thought there has to be uh, a, a, a better way. Um, so because we're from an electronics business, we had a solar division within the company. And I, I, I gave a couple of my solar engineers the, the, the task, can you, in fact, put a solar pump here? instead of a hand pump so that we can get rid of all the manual labor. 
Um, and about three or four months later, um, it was developed, it was installed, and World Water Day 2015, 22nd of March, uh, we turned on the tap, and that was a it was a euphoric occasion for me, uh, for the village, of course, life-changing for them, but it, it really started uh, my journey down a completely different path. That was a tipping point for you. Absolutely, absolutely. And so how does that work? So how can Project Magic be a social enterprise? What is it that you're selling? What can we do to support? Or, or no, or there's nothing we can do because we, it's not a charity, <laughs> as you said. <laughs> So, in fact, where we are today, so, so, so first of all, it was a question of uh, fine-tuning our solution. Uh, our, our original installations cost about $30,000. We're now down to about $15,000. Uh, and my target is to get that down. My moonshot target, if you like, is to get that down uh, to below $5,000, where we can be completely game-changing. Uh, and the whole thing about social enterprises is really finding, finding a social issue that, that one wants to tackle and putting a business model around that uh, and finding out who is, the, who is the customer. That's also a really critical uh, uh, element in this. <clears throat> and in this case, um, I guess we have two customers. One is we have the, I guess, the, the end beneficiary, uh, the, 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 the village dweller who we, who we do refer to as consumers uh, because we do charge for the water. Uh, one of the things we do when we go and we scope villages, we do make sure that they have affordability Uh, for the water. There are, there are definitely certain villages which are really way below the poverty line uh, and, and they need donations of water. They won't be able to afford water. I do fully accept that. Um, but the thing about the 800 million people and the water crisis is it's not, it's not in many, many cases, it's not about affordability of water. It is purely about access to water. Just nobody has gone in, uh, governments or other organizations have gone in and provided that access. So it was for us to go in and provide that access with decentralized solar-powered kiosks. So they could be sustainable, they could run off-grid, uh, they were going to be you know, zero pollution uh, because of the solar. And because of the uh, revenue generated from the sale of water, that was going to be able to cover all our running and operational costs. And so far, that, that, that model is working extremely well. The caveat we have is we still haven't cracked the way to pay for the capital expenditure. So we still rely on donations and partnerships uh, for people to give us a donation for the capital expenditure. Uh, but then we run them uh, off the water expenses or the water revenue. We cover all our operation expenses. But that's why I'm so keen to get our capital expense, capital expenditure down to below $5,000, because that becomes a tipping point where we can finance it by debt and be completely financially self-sustainable. On your website, what I notice is that um, you have a big involvement with the youth. I mean, this is definitely a project that changed the life of um, the young generations uh, in, in Kenya and, and in Ghana. What is your vision for, for them? Yeah, su supporting the youth is a, is, a, is a really key tenant for us. Um, Uh, for, for, for all, all the reasons we discussed, you know, if, if, if people don't have water, uh, they spend hours uh, walking. So that, that, is, that, is, that is straight away time lost. And it's typically kids and women uh, who have to do this. So women can't, can't be working or they can't even just choose to be full-time mums. But kids don't get a chance to go to school. Um, and sometimes they just don't get a chance just even to be kids and just have time to play. Um, so you really save them a lot of time. 
Um, and if you can get save them that time and make them go into school, you really are helping them for the longer term because they get an education and they can get uh, uh, qualifications and get better jobs in cities and, and, and urban areas, etc. Or at least they have the choice um, of what they what what they want to do. But on top of that, also even just carrying carrying this water, um, you know, a, a typical jerry can or a bucket, as they call it in in, in Ghana. 20 liters is 20 kilograms. 20 kilos is a heavy amount. These little kids and women are putting these things on their heads um, and walking for, for hours. And, 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 and Ghana, where I've given the example of one or two hours, in Kenya, we have situations where they're walking for seven, eight, nine hours. Uh, I mean, it is a full day journey, um, literally, to, 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 go and, to go and get the water. So this causes all sorts of spinal injuries as well, long-term permanent spinal injuries. Um, so giving people water, yes, you are, you are helping the community immediately, but you're really giving the youth much better long-term benefits. Um, and we've actually shifted a lot of our focus. Kenya's the place where we really started to do this firsthand is we're actually co-locating our kiosks into schools, which are near to villages. So in fact, we put our kiosk into a school, we give free water access to the school during the school day but the community nearby is able to come and access the water on a payable basis. So that makes sure that there's funds available uh, to run it and maintain it. But the school kids in the day don't have to waste time in the morning to go collect water. Uh, they have it available in their school. So they have drinking water and they also have good sanitation and hygiene uh, uh, available to them. So right now, the tool or the technology you're using is uh, powered by solar energy. But what what does it do? It, it is, do you need to drill? Is it a well? So they, they need to have uh, underground water. Um, what are the things that are needed in order for you to come in and, and, and install this kiosk? There's one, one critical thing, which is, which is, which is water, <laughs> of course. Water has to exist somewhere uh, accessible to us. Uh, and accessible to us means primarily, yes, we are, we are using solar pumps to pull up water from wells. Um, but what we are typically doing, because, because it's been such a problem over, over decades uh, across the continent, is instead of drilling new wells, we are actually going to villages where there are hand, bro broken hand pumps, like I saw in that first village, where we can remove the hand pump and there is a perfectly good uh, bore well available for us to use. Um, and, in, and, and that can often, if we had to drill a new borehole, that could cost us three or $5,000. So it's quite a significant savings, about 25% additional cost um, that we're able to save just by utilizing uh, an existing borehole. So yes, we need, we need a source of water as a borehole, but we have also now fine-tuned our technology that we can, we can pump from nearby rivers because um, certainly in some of the areas we work in Ghana, um, uh, the, 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 you know, Never has a truer word been spoken than, than water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink. Um, a lot of these villages are right on, on, on the shoreline of the river. Um, so they have enough water there. But the river is hugely polluted by some illegal mining and also by a, a parasite called uh, uh, schistosomiasis or bilharzia. Um, if the village people go into that water, it gets into their skin um, and it causes all sorts of terrible problems. Um, so we have found a way that we can now pump from that uh, river, which is just not even 100 meters away. Um, but we've developed a filtration solution that will take care of the schistosomiasis snail uh, and deliver them uh, clean drinking water. This is amazing. I mean, you are not only into uh, access to water, but kind of sanitation as well. Well, it, it, it's, very, it's very key to us. 
it's a, it, there are very key phrases. It's a very key phrase that we have. It's very specific wording that our goal is to provide sustainable access to safe water to communities. Sustainable is a key word in that sentence, and safe water is a key word in that sentence. Are you getting any support from the local governments? How do they see you coming in and 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 helping so much communities? Are they not willing to support, or at least in infrastructure, or partially kind of subsidies? How does that work? Uh, I shall I say no, 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 and no. Um, no, I, that, that, that's going that's going a bit too harsh. No, I, um, look, the what what the where? So we we typically work in Ghana and Kenya. Uh, at the moment, we're looking to expand to, to some other countries very, very soon. Um, where, where governments, let's say, cannot, do not, will not support us is, is on is on is on finances. Uh, so we so we do have to go and get our own um, uh, finances to, to to run the operation. But where they do support and they and they do deserve full credit. So I, I, I said I said the first comment uh, uh, lightheartedly. Um, was in fact in giving us uh, proper access to the villages. They do actually make sure that the red tape is cleared. We've got the permission. They 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 take us into the villages. They facilitate the meetings with the local communities and the local chiefs. So they they make sure that we can enter the enter the area as well. That we can that we can operate uh, extremely efficiently. So they, they they clear the path for us. So they do they do all that they can. Um, short of financing, uh, and, and that's fine because I, I know a lot of these. Governments, they have a lot of needs for their money. I'd like to say that water should be a big priority, but okay, um, they've got to allocate it in all sorts of areas. So we can find that area. We can help them support um, uh, on the finance side, but they need to help on on the ground, and they do. So if we look instead at the uh, private sector, is um, do you have support from corporates, um, I know I'm in your base in Dubai. I saw you have a, an impressive board of trustees and, and directors. Um, but locally, do you have uh, companies and businesses willing to support you? So corporates and family offices um, are actually where we get we get a huge amount of support. Um, we work, and, and, and in fact, with some 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 well known uh, uh, NGOs. So so we work with World Vision. We work with the International Federation of uh, Red Cross. Uh, big, big supporters of ours. Um, we work with some uh, very large uh, uh, corporates uh, who, who, who give us sponsorship and and and, uh, uh, and, and help us along uh, with that work. We also work with um, uh, some some good personalities. So there's there's a, there's a famous basketball player in, in in the US, Kyrie Irving, uh, for the NBA fans out there. He's a he's a fantastic supporter of us. Um, Manal Rostam is an influencer locally uh, in Dubai. She's the spokeswoman for for Nike and uh, um, uh, uh, the, the sporting uh, uh, hijabi revolution. So she's she's a great ambassador for us. Um, and we have been recognised by the by the local government here as well because we worked with Red Crescent in, in Dubai uh, and the um, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum uh, Sukhia Water Aid Award. Uh, we we won that award and, and uh, a financial donation with that came along uh, at the beginning of this year. So so we do, we do actually get a lot of support from from a, a lot of areas, corporates, governments, NGOs, um, because I think a lot of people like not only of course the cause that we're serving, but the methodology that we're taking around it. I would like to ask you. Uh, it's interesting to know that you have so much support from um, from the private sector as well and. I know that some of these funds might also come maybe from CSR budgets. 
Um, and usually companies also like to be involved somehow with their own uh, with their own employees. Is this something that is doable? Could companies, for example, come um, and help install this kiosk or do some other work with the communities um, in uh, in parallel to what you're doing and support your work? Yes, indeed, it's a it's a very good question. So, so it's something we 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 are look we, we we've been looking at, and we were in fact about to do something uh, earlier this year, but of course, uh, coronavirus put a stop to a, a, a lot of activities. Um, but we are in in you know we're we're very clear um, that we have to find commercial routes for financing. So when when we take commercial sponsorship, our kiosks do have a, a good space on them for brand logos, and we're quite happy with that. If a, if a brand wants to sponsor us and get the recognition for it, well, absolutely they should. Uh, but on top of that, to get a good feeling uh, internally, so you know, uh, um, apparel group in, in the UAE is a, is, a, is a great supporter of ours. Um, and then we're trying to work out with uh, all the other companies we work with if there can be trips out to Ghana or Kenya to come and see not so much in the building of the uh, of the kiosk because one of the beautiful things about the uh, about the design we've, we've we've made is that our kiosks are actually up and running within a day um all all the work beforehand prepping uh training the community um about why they should why well interviewing them first getting a pre-impact survey installing the kiosk after it's installed we give them training about why they should be drinking clean water how they should be washing their hands etc um that all takes a lot of time, and that's where we try to get some corporates and NGOs, and even some. Uh, uh, we've had some school trips uh, with kids come out uh, to educate them. But the actual building itself, ironically, just takes a day, uh, and there's not a lot that people can help with that because our team is takes two people uh, and not a lot of time. What can we do? What What would you like us to to do in general, as as a, in the UAE, as as a population? Look, I. Th- I, I, I the, one very, very critical thing is, is I think we, we, we live such blessed lives in, in the communities we are in. And one thing is to value, value water, uh, value water and value all the resources around us and the environment. Because, you know, I've, I've seen how hard it is for people to get water, um, you know, and, and, and we, we turn on a tap and, and we'll brush our teeth and leave the water running uh, or have, you know, a 30-minute shower and the water is running. And I know it's lovely and it's warm water and it's it's comfortable and luxurious or cold water in a, in a, in a, in a summer Dubai. Um, but when you see how precious every liter of water is to some of these people, please preserve it because the, the water resource we have in the world is not going to last us forever. Um, the UAE uses a lot of desalination to get the water that is expensive and that has its own um, uh, long-term environmental impacts. It is really important that we, we value the resource that we have. Um, and, and we've seen some cities like like Cape Town, for example, South Africa's run out of water uh, already. Cities in India are going to run out of water. So let's really value it. And the other thing is um, the water crisis that we're trying to address, access to water uh, for communities, is a solvable problem in our lifetimes. In our lifetimes means in the next five to ten years. This is not a technical problem. This is a financial problem. We have, we have the technology to do it. We just need the money. Uh, and organizations like ours... Um, uh, can do this. There are many, many worthwhile water organizations doing work like us. Um, if you want to support, uh, all of us will, will, will welcome the help that we can get. Uh, but it changes lives dramatically. Giving access to water changes lives dramatically. 
You can find more information about Project Magi at their website, that's projectmagi.com, where you can find links to donate if you're able to support their efforts. As always, we'd love to connect with you. You can find us on Instagram at Goombook, that's G-O-U-M-B-O-O-K, and all of our episodes at our website, goombook.com slash podcast. See you next week. Thank you. Thank you.